Hey folks, welcome back to lettermanrow.com. I'm Jeremy Birmingham and I'm on vacation. And I told you guys this last week on an episode of Talking Stuff, but I just miss you and I miss talking about football and recruiting. And Austin Ward, who's joining me today in lieu of Spencer Holbrook. Oh, I thought you said you missed me. Oh, no, no. Uh, Spencer's in on his own little mini vacation. Um, and so Austin and I are going to do like a mini version of a different type of recruiting list, right? And I'm sitting in a very awkward position and I feel slightly uncomfortable as though my back is ajar, but it doesn't matter. What does matter is that, um, you know, Austin, you know, the old saying, right? Like if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. I can't stay away. I want to stay away, but I can't. Well, I mean, you can come back whenever you want. Um, oh. Oh, I, can't. I, I do miss you, Berm. I mean, oh. Oh, just wow. not the same when we're not hanging out and talking football together. So wherever you are, Zoom brings the world closer together. Uh, let's talk about Ohio State football. Yeah. So today we're talking uh, something a little different. Uh, and I, it, Austin uh, has not been on the list where Spencer and I talk about Ohio State, you know, top targets and, and big time must get kids. But what we're going to talk about today is who are the guys that Ohio State had to get the most in the Ryan Day tenure so far at Ohio State and give like a little, you know, just a little quasi, uh, you know, little little love to the dudes that are on the roster and who I think and Austin thinks are the five most important signees of the Ryan Day era. And I say signees, not commitments, because commitments don't matter until they're signees. Right? Yes. Right. Yeah, we're we're clicking on all cylinders right now. Well, I don't know how did you didn't you didn't tell me how you wanted me to format it. You want me to start? Yeah, I just want, five, no, I want. Uh, let's let's just break it down. Let let's start here, <laughs> Austin. What makes a, what makes a signee important? Um, you know, from my perspective, which is obviously more of once they get on campus, uh, you know, and evaluating the roster, it's it's a position of need. Uh, of course, you want to fill that with the best you know possible player available, but a lot of times when you and I have these conversations and you're talking about comparable players that have been through Ohio State or who they look like at the NFL level, that stuff is helpful, obviously, and informative, but uh, you're starting over from scratch when you're freshman. So, for instance, when I'm looking at this list and it's it's going to tend to skew towards the first couple classes, I really debated hard on where to go with like Travion Henderson, who he's only been through nine practices at this point for Ohio State. He may well be the starting running back this fall, or he's in the mix for it. Uh, you've been talking about that potential on bold predictions for a while. Um, but it's so early for that. Uh, even though the process was was unique, wasn't on campus, it's a huge recruiting victory for Ohio State. Um, it's easier for me to evaluate them with amount of time uh, for what they meant moving forward. Uh, and that really does show up after one or two years uh, on campus. So uh, when you're evaluating in the moment, I think you have to start with the position of need, but you also can't deny that if somebody is the number one overall player uh, at that spot, uh, that's going to carry a little bit extra weight. So did you put together a list as a list of five through one? And if so, where is Travion Henderson on your list? He I went through a late revision. I was going to have Travion Henderson at number five, but in the end, that spot and the other people that I was weighing, I just, I, I couldn't do it. Um, 
I, I know how impactful it could be. But as I sit here on April 8th, uh, as we film this, you know, I just, I couldn't do it. When I, when these other five guys, when you know what they uh, have the potential to do already after already being in the program for a year or two, I had to kick him out. And at number five wound up being Garrett Wilson instead, which if you're talking about one of the best two wide receivers in the country, that seems fair. I agree. And I, I have a wide receiver at number five also on my list, but it's Julian Fleming. Uh, Garrett Wilson is a player that I think I debated. Uh, he was on my list of probably eight names or so because he came into the Ohio State you know, world when Urban Meyer was there. He committed to Urban Meyer, but he was also committed to Ryan Day and Brian Hartline, who were both uh, tag teaming his recruitment. And the fact that he didn't waver at all, I think, is probably what makes him so important. Uh, in your mind, being that, you know, he's from, lived in Austin, Texas. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and I also, I have another wide receiver in this mix, but, um, you know, I just, I remember the conversations you were having with Garrett Wilson. And when I went down to Texas during this transition, like, can can Texas flip him? Was there uncertainty? He was really, it seemed to me, one of the stabilizing forces. You know that better maybe than I do, but we both were around him during all that. And uh, anyway, it was a significant turn of events there. The reason I picked Julian Fleming instead of Garrett Wilson ultimately in that fifth spot was because Garrett Wilson was born and raised in Dublin, Ohio. And so I think that there was a little bit of, um, it was a little bit easier to get him in that position, uh, especially considering how bad Texas had been. So I went with Julian Fleming because he was not supposed to leave Pennsylvania. There was just no way this kid from 60 miles away from Happy Valley. He grew up a Penn State fan. He'd been to Penn State 400 times in his life uh, at Penn State at a time when James Franklin was had some actual you know, proof in the pudding to say, hey, we're building a program here. We need a guy like you. And Julian Fleming was like, no, nope, no, thanks. I'm good. I'm going to head to your biggest that's rival. What, that's what told me from the get-go how smart Julian Fleming was because it is really not that hard to see through James Franklin. But – a lot of folks believe James Franklin is a really good coach. Uh, and again, for a player in Pennsylvania, and I, this is the point that I think is interesting, is that Julian Fleming's decision sort of like sent a, a everlasting ripple effect through the class of 2021. Penn State only signed one player in the state's top 10 in the class of 2021. And that is insane. Ohio State signed two of Pennsylvania's top 10 players in 2021. Penn State signed one. One player in the top 10 in their home state for Penn State is an absolute malpractice by James Franklin and his coaching staff. But I think it started because Julian Fleming said, you know what, uh, 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 no, there, there's a difference. There's an elite and there's not. And James Franklin himself is probably responsible for that with his own comment a few years ago. You're making me feel um, really smart and much better about having Julian Fleming higher in my list. Okay. Ooh, spoiler alert. So for everyone watching and listening, I want to be very clear. Austin and I did not compare notes. <laughs> I as wanted you can, to. I wanted as you to. Can, yeah, as you can tell by this hastily assembled program, things were not exactly, uh, you know, ironed out ahead of time. Who's number four on your list? Zach Harrison. Uh, a lot of what we talked about with the early importance. I mean, that uh, recruitment was not your favorite from, you know, working with you for a long time, uh, everything that went into, you know, his ranking, the teams that were battling and how, how quiet Zach Harrison was in that process, uh, the way it went down, you know, it, it really to the wire. 
Um, this is a, a spot where, you know, that Larry Johnson needed to continue to plant that flag as a recruiter. Everything he was battling is people were, you know, you know, negative recruiting about him needing to retire. Um, you know, the transition for Ryan Day and can he keep the wheels moving for what Urban built? A lot of the things that we just talked about from the early period, um, you know, made Zach Harrison more important uh, in my mind. And, you know, you have to build around these defensive linemen uh, if you're really going to build a top uh, top national contender, top defense in the country. He hasn't quite delivered on that quite yet, but uh, there are certainly signs this spring that he's ready to become that leader and productive force uh, for the Buckeyes at defensive end. So I have him uh, pretty elevated here at number four. Trey Henderson is number four on my list, and this is why. Because at a time when kids couldn't make visits, at a time when um, as the world was sort of standing still, the number one ranked running back in the country said, I'm going to go to a school that I've never visited and can't visit. Uh, and then not only never wavered, but helped recruit other guys, did so joining a two-man running back class, which you know most schools were using the opposite approach with him saying, hey, you come here, you're the guy, you're the guy. And to me, it was an indicator of exactly how different Ohio State is right now than every other program in the country not named Alabama or Clemson. And you just don't, you aren't going to see kids making that decision to say, I'm going to commit to a place I've never been to. And at that point, obviously, he thought he was going to get to visit two or three weeks later when, and never got to. Um, but it's just another one of those signs of how important Ohio State is on the national level and how big the brand is. But specifically at the running back position, after the 2020 cycle, when Bajan Robinson and Jalen Knighton had both privately committed to Ohio State and then flipped publicly uh, within a matter of days, the Buckeyes needed a tailback like Trey Henderson to wipe and wash that taste out of their mouth. And when he committed to me, he, he's number four on my list. Who's your three? Go bring it to me. Julian Fleming. Um, you already took a lot of the explanation out of this one. I mean, but this is... He's the number one player in the country, number one wide receiver in the country, one of the most physically advanced uh, high school players that I've ever seen when we went over there. And he was still, you know, had a year of uh, high school to go. I mean, yeah, he's a freak. Watch out for what's coming. I just, that's sort of, he's one where I'm in the middle because when we only have three, three classes to evaluate, it's partly on potential still and partly what you saw, I think, in the Big Ten title game where the light was coming on. Uh, th this kid has every tool imaginable. And then th the fact that it was a head-to-head -head battle, we talked about one in the rivalry, um, you know, taking him away from – from uh, taking Zach Harrison away from the Wolverines. This was a death blow of sorts for James Franklin and the next closest contender in the Big Ten with Penn State. So uh, – that, that lasting impact, plus what he can do uh, with Brian Hartline in this offense, uh, has him at number three for me. For me, it's C.J. Stroud. The number uh, three on my list is C.J. Stroud. He committed to Ohio State when they had another quarterback committed for over a year. He was a kid who blew up on the national scene in the summer of 2019, going from an unknown commodity to a top you know, five quarterback, a five-star prospect who could have chosen Georgia, who was in desperate need of a quarterback, who could have chosen anywhere else in the country uh, and picked Ohio State simply because he trusted Ryan Day more than he trusted other coaches. And so when we're talking about the big picture of the Ryan Day era, the most important recruits that he signed so far, to me, 
it's got to have to be the only starting quarterback potential starting quarterback that he's recruited uh, in those classes. Um, you know, you have three quarterbacks in those groups between Jack Miller, CJ Stroud and Kyle McCord. Um, but the fact that that CJ committed to Ohio State when they already had another quarterback, when he could have stayed home, played out in the West Coast, gone to Georgia, gone anywhere in the country. Um, to me, it's just telling that he did it solely based on the fact that he thought that Ryan Day's ability as a quarterback's coach was way better than anyone else. And so if, if you're looking at a guy who's, you know, any one of those guys, McCord or, or Miller or Stroud, I guess, could fit into this spot. But to me, since I think that he is likely to be the starting quarterback this fall, he's the guy. Yeah, it's uh, hard to argue with that. Uh, I think I'm, I'm going to guess that I know who your number one is, um, and I do not have him there. Let me know. I guess I'll find out if I'm right. But I have Paris Johnson at number two. So do uh, I. Okay, wow. Okay, a bit of a surprise there for me. But that you, I, I would have – we're going to say a lot of the same things here, but this is a generational athlete. He's The, the fact that uh, he's not going to be likely starting at tackle this year tells you how deep uh, and successful Ohio State's recruiting has been, guys that were there before him. But, you know, Nicholas Petit-Frere, I think – I'm thinking back to when he signed and flipped and, and Ryan Day and his his son were watching in the living room that celebration they had. I, you know, I don't think they get full credit for that one, but the fact that, the, that he and Thayer Munford are still around and keeping Paris Johnson at guard tells you how dramatically that room has changed. But this is still somebody who's going to be three in, in a – first round top five potential draft pick uh, once he gets that spot at tackle. And that could still happen for him this year. There's a long way to go. We'll see what happens. We talked about that earlier this week on the practice report, but uh, he, he had such an interesting competitive recruitment. The fact that Ohio State was able to win and and handle uh, you know any sort of adversity and deferring to the family and giving them what they want and giving them time and getting through all the transition uh, periods with him. I, I thought just watching it from my vantage point, it was one of the most uh, impressive victories that Ryan Day could have. I don't have it number one, but I could have easily moved it up there uh, yep. just based on all those things, positional need and his ability. Uh, for me, it's about the way Ryan Day handled it because it was the first time that we really got a glimpse of what he was going to be as not just as a recruiter, but as a steward of the Ohio State program. The Buckeyes could have played a hard ball with, with Paris Johnson and with his mom, uh, you know, he committed to urban Meyer. He never decommitted, even though legend Cavazos and, and uh, Jake Ray at the time, you know, both did when urban Meyer retired and, and Ryan day took over and Ryan day and the way that they handled that with his family to, to back off and say, Hey, we're going to build a relationship with you. Do whatever you need, take all the visits you want. Just keep us in the loop. Let us know how you're feeling. And he, he kind of just built that as like a brand new relationship. And, and it was um, just really masterfully handled by Ohio State. And obviously, we can talk about the ranking, the number one ranked player in the country at his position, a top five prospect, a kid who is a perfect representative for Ohio State football, all the things that you can see on the field. But to me, as Ohio State fans uh, were watching it, they should realize that that was the moment that they realized that. Ryan Day was not a huge drop off from Urban Meyer on the recruiting trail. And at, in some ways, because of his youth, because of the way that he's able to relate to young kids a little bit different, um, maybe I don't want to say better, but a different uh, approach that is maybe more relatable uh, to today's kids. And I think that 
he handled it perfectly and it led to Paris reaffirming his commitment and, and becoming the leader of that 2020 class when he needed to be. Um, and so that's why Paris Johnson is number two on my list. And who is number one for Austin Ward? Uh, CJ Stroud. If you, all the things that you described, you know, five-star talent, uh, another quarterback being in the class, being on the other side of the country out there in Southern California, uh, you know, all those things you'd think would be stacked against uh, Ryan Day, but it, it, that was the commitment. That was the signing that told you this was going to be a destination. Ohio State, Columbus, Ohio was going to be the new quarterback assembly factory and that people all around the country would be lining up to do that. I, you know, not saying that a, a Quinn Ewers or a Kyle McCord doesn't happen without C.J. Stroud making that that move. In some ways, it'd be a lot easier for them to come to play for the Buckeyes if he wasn't around when he could potentially be starting now for the next couple of years. Um, and that creates its own issues. But you're seeing you know, quarterbacks willing to just be developed for a year or two or three because of the Joe Burrow factor, because of C.J. Stroud making that decision that even with two quarterbacks, you go, you're going to get better. You're going to learn uh, from these from this guy, uh, his reputation, his offenses. That was the a real tipping point in my mind for what uh, that offense could become and what influence Ryan Day could have as a recruit or as a recruiter. You know, this this battle is not over, but as I said earlier in the week, they don't just flip a coin to decide who goes first in drills, who leads them out during warmups. C.J. Stroud has done that throughout camp. Uh, all signs are pointing to him being that guy. And if you are capable of starting, capable of winning a battle against two other really touted recruits in, in Jack Miller and Kyle McCord, well, then that means that you are a potential Heisman Trophy winner, yep. that you have the ability to lead a team to a Big Ten title in the college football playoff, that you can be a first-round draft pick uh, as the last two starters for the Buckeyes who worked with Ryan Day were. All that is within reach now for C.J. Stroud. So quarterback is the most important position. This was a five-star guy. You have to have one of them to lead your team if you're going to win a national championship. To me, that that was uh, that was the deciding factor. Yeah, that's why uh, you, know, you had him lower on your list, but Zach Harrison is number one on my list because – Quite simply, if Ryan Day wasn't the head coach at Ohio State, Zach Harrison would be playing somewhere else. And I know that that's, you know, what I'm talking about, the, the difference between Urban Meyer and Ryan Day and, and the Paris Johnson recruitment. The opportunity for Ryan Day to take over a place like Ohio State uh, is, is heavy. That is a, a very weighted, you know, task. And the fact that within two weeks of taking that job, he was able to essentially flip the best prospect in Ohio who was going to Penn State or Michigan instead of Ohio State? Uh, if Urban Meyer had, you know, stayed at the helm at Ohio State, to me, it set the tone for what's happened ever since. And I think that it's the reason why Ohio State fans had to know what they were getting with Ryan Day. Because yeah, you had Garrett Wilson in that class of 2019. You had Harry Miller, who both decided to stick around. And those, but you know, again, those were two guys that Ryan Day was intimately involved with in their recruitment. And Zach Harrison was a player he was never involved with and had no reason to be involved with. And the fact that maybe 62 to 39 helped a little bit, I don't know. I mean, Ryan Day, as Ryan Day's offense was certainly making it difficult for Zach Harrison to envision himself playing at Michigan when they're getting trounced on the football field. But it, it really became a matter of the personality fit being so much different for today's kids um, than what Urban Meyer had you know, shown Zach and his, and his family. And, um, 
I think that as you look at the big picture of Ohio State football and its place in the Big Ten, the decision by Zach Harrison was the one that kind of gave the uh, meet the new boss, same as the old boss feel for Michigan and Penn State, because that little glimmer of hope that, okay, now's our opportunity to maybe reposition or reshuffle the deck in, in this conference uh, was quickly eradicated when, when Zach Harrison picked Ohio State. There's something that you said that I think it is important to keep in mind, and it's tempting. I think you were almost going to say it, and then it would be a whole other conversation that Ryan Day is recruiting better than Urban Meyer ever did. And it's the same – the way that you have to look at it is that he's doing it on the shoulders of what Urban Meyer built, the same way that Urban elevated Ohio State from what Jim Trestle built. They've the, This whole program has had a remarkable run of success, and it's all been building – to this level where they are at right now, uh, where everything is fully functional, uh, a top to bottom operation that is that includes the recruiting that is rolling in a way that you know very few very few schools are ever capable of doing. So, uh, if, if Ryan Day was having to start from scratch somewhere else, would he be recruiting at a high level? Uh, definitely, I think so. Would he be recruiting at a level that is breaking records and and really is? you know, only on that short list against Alabama for accumulating talent? Probably not, but that's also because of the, the guy before. So when you're comparing better or worse, Urban Meyer used to say you enhance what was already there. And I think that that's Ryan Day has not messed it up. And so they're finding new ways to to keep it rolling and build on top of that. That's a never-ending game, but obviously the proof through these first three recruiting classes and the work that's being done for the fourth speaks that he understands uh, a lot of what made Urban Meyer great, which is talent acquisition. Uh, and he's finding his own way to, to capitalize on what was there and add to it. Yep. And that's why it's only going to get better. I mean, Ohio state is, is, as you said, the number one ranked class in the country for 2022, the Buckeyes have signed uh, three pretty darn good classes under Ryan day, but those five are the players that Austin and I think are the most important signees of the Ryan day era at Ohio state thus far. If you have comments or thoughts of your own, please tell us who we missed. Okay. Don't tell me. I'm don't tell me we missed suggest who you think we missed because <laughs> it doesn't mean no one's right. That's the beauty of the internet. Everyone's wrong all the time. That's Austin Ward. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe. We'll be back uh, another time to talk about more stuff. Thanks.